How's everybody today? Good. It's good to be back with you. It's good to be here. Uh, it's been an exciting week for our family. It, we're in this midst of this busy season, as I man, mentioned. We have th three birthdays in a month span and an anniversary thrown in there. So we've gone through one birthday. Then we, on top of that, we're like, let's throw him a party. And so we had some kids over yesterday. It was chaos. It was crazy. At some point, I don't know, boys, for some reason, they, they like to take article of clothing off, so they had their shirts off, like six or seven Zion's classmates are running around outside with their shirts off, swinging them around, so, which I'm used to because we have three boys anyway, so, but let's, let's pray to start with. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come together and worship you. Lord, this is beautiful. Lord, uh, you even think about how many congregations are meeting across this world right now. It's just an amazing thing. Father, all the words that are being spoken, Lord, all the focus that's on you on this Sunday, Lord, we thank you that uh, it prepares us for this week. And our goal is to, to continue that conversation, Lord, to continue these, these moments that we have here. And we want to spread that throughout the world into our workplaces, into those, our families, Lord, into every, as uh, oh gosh, every aspect of our lives, Father. We want to just pour your presence into everything, Father. And so we pray that these words will be yours, Lord, they will not be mine. And Father, again, we just want your spirit to come. Amen. So our series, the real life series, if this is your first week here, last week we started talking on the real life. This is the vision of Willow Park. Uh, so we all have this like hashtag, this, this catch that we're using, using minds, let's act it out. And so I think I have a slide up there, maybe. Yes, let's act it out. Very simple, very poignant. Let's act it out. Let's act out being the body of Christ. Uh, and so each of the real, they stand for something. The R stands for redeem. Last week we talked about what it means to be redeemed, what it looks like to be the, the redeemed people. And so I talked about how we as redeemed people, we receive the redemption, but then in Acts, we see once Paul receives it, he goes immediately out and he shares about the redemption, right? Because we love redemption. There's something about getting something that you can redeem, and we want to tell others about it. This week, we're going to talk about the empowered life, what that looks like, who is empowering us. And we have the A is the active life, and the L is the listening life. The E. So this is what the E stands for. And it's coming. I can feel it. Oh, <laughs> never mind. The vision statement. All this encompasses, this is what we want. We want to see lives transformed by Jesus in the Okanagan Valley. This is what we're here. This is what we're here for. This is what we're here as a body of believers. We want to see lives transformed. We have been transformed. Now we want to see others transformed. This is why we meet on Sundays, to build us up, to equip us, to fill us up. And we want to go out and we want to be the light to others. So the empowered life, there we go. I'm jumping ahead of myself, is where we really, uh, where life really begins to change. God loves us too much to leave us the way we were. We all have baggage and issues that God wants to heal and change. The Holy Spirit continually points us to a better way. He's always pointing us forward. Jesus, Jesus living in us and changing us. Constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. 
He continually changes us, sanctifies us, equips us, and calls us to grow. This is what you'll find on the Willow Park website, what they say an empowered life looks like. So, have we ever needed help? Ever, ever needed help? I need help every day. Uh, and, and not just because I'm a man, just because I am, uh, just because I'm a human. I need help. I need somebody to help me. I mentioned, I might have mentioned this, but when I turned 30, I'm like a big basketball player. And so people would mention, like, once you turn 30, your body changes. Like, yeah, whatever. And so I play basketball for the first time after 30. And I'm coming down and I'm dribbling, you know, LeBron, James, Michael Jordan. Uh, I'm not sure why I'm, I'm not in the NBA. Um, you can laugh. It's okay. <laughs> but... I'm coming down the lane. It's last point wins. And I'm like, here we go. This is my moment to shine. Uh, and so I'm dribbling down. I do this what's called a hop step. So I pick up the ball, jump, and I'm about to jump again. And as I jump again, I just fall over. Because <laughs> so, it felt like somebody kicked me right in the back of the leg. Just like really kicked my leg. And I was like, oh, what is this? And so I lay on the ground, you know, trying to build up the, like, oh, I'm hurt so bad, and trying to build up that I got fouled, you know, because we want the ball back. And so, and I get to stand up, and I'm like, oh, this feels weird. I feel like I have a high heel on right now. <laughs> and so I'm like, I can't go back in. And so I barely walk over to the side, and the game ends, and I try to drive one of the students home. And I'm like, I'm not sure how we're going to get home. I can't use my right foot. And so I drive with my left foot. And after a while, we go see the doctor. They're like, oh, you think you might have just uh, strained your Achilles. I'm like, I don't know. It feels weird. And then I go see a specialist, and they, I've partially torn my Achilles tendon. This is the worst feeling. And so if from the, the day I tore it to the day I got surgery to fix it, it was a year. So within this year, there's this one point. So I have a torn Achilles, and I cannot walk really well. And I'm playing Hot Wheels, these Hot Wheels with my, my boys. And so we're around the main part of the track. And so you know how the Hot Wheels track has like, it's like a little U almost so the cars can stay in. So we're all around this thing. My one son, he goes to like lift it up to turn it, to put it into the little thing that connects it. And as he lifts it up, that little U part goes straight across my eyeball. Cuts my eye. And so... I have to go to Swift Current, which is an hour and a half away, to go see the doctors. This, now, I've, the Achilles hurt, this actually hurt way more. This is probably the worst pain I've ever experienced. And so you go there, they check out your eye, and so they're putting drops in your eye. And so my stability is already compromised because I have a torn Achilles. When they take your vision away, you are pretty much useless. And so then they put drops in your eye, right? And you got these big, beautiful glasses on. And so I'm now leaving the doctors, and we're in Swift Current. It's a little bit busier, and we have Kim's with me, obviously, because I can't see or drive. And then we have Jude, who's just the one. And so Kim just walks across the street, and I stand at the end of the street, and I'm like, this is how I'm going to die. <laughs> I cannot walk across this street safely. Kim looks back at me on the other side of the street. Do you need help? Yes, please. Can you please help me? And so she comes over. She lets me hold the stroller to walk over and guides me across the street. 
And then we go out to eat after that. And so she, that's, my wife is very caring and loving. She always looks after me. But she gets out of the car. We get to Boston Pizza. She walks into Boston Pizza, and I'm walking. I'm like, okay, I can make this. Like, just like this, hands, like, you know, you try to balance yourself like this. And all of a sudden, she's about to enter the door. She hears me go, whoa! And I stop face first into that glass partition that separates the patio from the outside. And she's laughing. And I'm like, I could have died again. And so, and so here we are. Like, I need help. We need help. We need help in our walk. We need help in our walk with Christ. And so when we were redeemed, Christ had to die. He left us. And then we always think, oh, it's so good if we have that person right there. But John 16, 7 says this. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We always, have you ever thought this? Like, wouldn't it be cool if like, Jesus was just right here? Like, why did he have to go? Why did he have to leave us? Why did he have to die on the cross? It's so much, like, I can just see his face, right? And we can just talk to him face to face. That'd be so much easier. And there was this, I remember the first time I left Kim when we were dating, not left her, I was like, hey, we need a break. As in like, hey, like, I'm going back to Pittsburgh, she's going back to Grenfell. This is the time we were in Portland. And it was tough, even for that first time. I cried like a baby. And so I remember being on the plane, just weeping. And someone's like, are you okay? And I was like, I want Kim. She's like, I don't know, Kim, can I get you a drink? No! <laughs> but in order for us to receive our redemption, Christ needed to die for us. When we received our redemption, salvation, we were promised not to be alone. We were promised not to be alone. Even though Christ had physically left here on earth, it was all part of the plan for him to spread, us, spread all over the world. We were promised help. We were promised a helper. He didn't just save us. He didn't just save us and that's it. That's all. I saved you. That's cool. Now he's going to empower us. He wants to redeem us, but now he wants to empower us to go forward. And now the same power that was in Christ is in us now because of his death and resurrection. He says he's not going to leave us alone to flounder in this journey. Just kind of to, to squat, like, has walk across the street blindly, if I can use that as an analogy. He wants to give us his spirit. That same spirit that was inside of him. So now Christ sent his Holy Spirit to be with us, to empower us. So the question is, but do we all receive his Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 2... 12, 13 says this, For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So the Bible is clear in this teaching. There is no confusion. You come into the body of Christ through Jesus by the power of the spirit, by the power of his spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into your life at conversion. He is the one who regenerates. And this is regenerates is a theological term. 
It says we are changed into something different. We are regenerated. Something has come within us, and now we are a new person. I know I'm struggling with my words. I'm feeling quite dry here. I'll take a, take a sip of water. That is the guarantee. And we love guarantees in life, right? We get a guarantee on your fridge. If anything happens in this lifetime, you get a new fridge. Yes. And then, like, when we go to a car place, and they're like, you get maintenance for, for, your li for life if you buy this car here. And we do this face. Mm. As in, I'm intrigued by this guarantee. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 says this. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we inquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. This is awesome. Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee? Christ promises they're not like my promises sometimes, like where I make a promise and I don't really fall through it sometimes. His promises are yes and amen. They are true. We can hold on to them. He has given us his Holy Spirit. It is now inside of us. So the truth, if you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. He is inside of you. It is our inheritance. It is our seal. A guarantee that God will fulfill his promises. Right? When we put that seal on documents at Eston College, it's the guarantee that this is true. That this is from the college. This is our seal. This is the stamp of our approval. Christ put his seal on you with his Holy Spirit. So why do we need filling? Why do we need filling? Filling. Because... We're directed by him. Sometimes we don't feel that way. Sometimes we don't feel empowered. Even though we have this Holy Spirit inside of us, sometimes we don't feel empowered. We don't feel like it's there. Right? Somebody, I'm just not feeling it. Have you ever said that? I'm just not feeling it. Why is it that we feel this way if we have the Holy Spirit? That scripture teaches. Why, if we have the Holy Spirit inside us, why do we feel this way? Because he has all of us. We have all of him. But sometimes, does he have, or we, we have all of him, but sometimes he does not have all of us. This is not an issue of whether you have him. It's an issue of whether you are filled, whether you're feeling filled of the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. Who's Paul talking to? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to us. Because every believer has the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit sometimes doesn't have all of us. And what does that look like? And I have a little demonstration here. I'm going to grab this chair, if you don't mind. Oh, I'm going to grab this stool. So, I have my ninja here. I'll take orders after if you want to shake. So, we have the water here, which represents 
represents us, represents all of us here, our soul, our body, who we are. That's Jeremy. I'll pour some more in here. Is anybody thirsty? Want to shake after? I had to dig through a box to find this in my garage. I was climbing around like a ninja. And so this is who we are. This is us. This is who we are. We're just this cup of water. And so when we accept Christ into our lives, his spirit comes inside of us. I've got some fruit here. I've got some peach. I've got some apples, some grapes. Anybody want a grape or anything? Got lots here. Dropping them. And so we've accepted Christ. Now his spirit is inside of us. It's in there. Right? We see it's, he's in there with us. His spirit, his promise is now in us. His Holy Spirit. But it's not consuming everything. Right? It's not everywhere. And so we need the spirit inside of us to be activated. And how do we do that? How do we activate it? And so we do things like this. We come Sundays to church and it awakens the spirit inside of us. And it starts to take a little bit over in our, in our body here. We read, yeah, it doesn't look awesome. You don't have to drink this. Nobody has to drink this. And so if you want to try, you can. But then we read our Bible. The Spirit starts to activate us and starts to fill us up more. We pray more of His Spirit starts to take over us. And not take over, but really starts to fill us up. Right? There's not that separation of water. And just a piece of fruit in there. We're activating Christ inside of us. And soon, when we are continually filled, when we continue to pray, when we continually worship, when we talk to people about Christ, we see now His Spirit filled up inside of us. So, this is why I continually talk about we need to be filled. And so, when we need to be filled, we need to pray. We need to worship. We need to read our Bible. We need to journal about Christ. We need to make him more active in our lives so he takes, he, be, he becomes more evident in who we are. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And so we have here, it says, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And Luke 4, 28 says, When they heard these things, all in the synagogues were filled with wrath. Have you ever been filled with wrath or anger? Because that word that I just said in Luke, filled, is the same word as filled here. Be filled with the Spirit. I am new to driving to BC and Saskatchewan. Be like, I got lots of, hey, how you doing? And BCs, I'm getting some other fingers that are popping up right now. Because <laughs> I'm just getting used to driving in just a bigger area. And so I was driving along and someone was not happy with how I was driving in Kelowna. And they let me know how unhappy they were. 
But when you're filled with anger, right? It's, it consumes you. You become about that thing you're angry about. It fills your mind. Or when you're filled with joy, you're just overjoyed, right? And you just can't stop smiling or talking about that boy. There's nothing else. You're consumed. When you're filled, it just takes over you. You're cons- when you are consumed, it dictates your decisions, right? That man was upset with me. He made a decision that was not cool. His direction honked on the horn. His actions yelled. His thoughts, I'm 99% sure he was like, that's, that's a nice person. Right? But maybe that's not who he is. But he was filled at that moment with anger. It took over him. And he acted out of that being filled with anger. When we are filled with the Spirit of God, it could say this, this verse. It's like, instead be filled, consumed, overcome, overshadow, controlled with the Spirit. That's what we want. We want to be directed by Him. So when we're controlled by the Spirit, all these awesome thoughts of who people are, of what Christ has done, that begins to pour out of us, empowered by the Spirit, empowered to share, empowered to do life with Christ. Being filled by the Spirit consumes us, to points us back to Christ. And so I notice these four things. Being filled is not an optional extra. It's not like we're building our cell phone plans. Like, yeah, I do want that, but I don't want this. When we say, Christ, fill me, it's a gift that we get at conversion. It's an automatic, not optional. His Spirit's inside of us. Being filled is for everyone. This is great, for everyone. This is what Christ was about, for everyone. Being filled is continuous. And the reason why is because we leak, right? Sometimes we, we feel empty. Sometimes we pour out to people, we talk to people about Christ, and we just feel empty at the end. So being filled again and again, it's ongoing, it's daily, it's more, it's more. Acts 13.52 says this, The disciples were continually filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. So we see this in Acts, continually filled with the Spirit. Continually filled with the Spirit. So now that we know what empowers us, Christ's Spirit, His Holy Spirit, how does that empowered life look? How does that empowerment help us? And as we read Scripture, we see so much of the Spirit of God doing things. And I have a list here. How does He help us? He teaches us. In John 14, 26, 27, his spirit brings to our remembrance, John 14, 26, 27. He gives us joy, Romans 15, 13. He intercedes for us, Romans 8, 26. God always answers the request of the spirit because the spirit always prays in accordance to God's word. He helps us in our weakness. He gives us peace. He gives us life. He guides you in truth. He gives hope, boldness, speak in different language, dwells in you. 
He is the helper, and he gives you power. We need the Spirit of God in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit active in our lives. It empowers us to do all these things because we can't do it on our own. The Holy Spirit knows what we need. As he continually fills us, he's going to emphasize different things. Maybe I'm feeling I don't have peace in my life. And so I go, I read my word, I pray, and the Spirit of God activates inside of me. It empowers me, and it gives me peace. Maybe I'm feeling down. Maybe I'm not happy. Things aren't going well in my life. I pray. I, I, I fellowship with others. And it brings joy in my life. Maybe I look back on my journal. I see the times of the great things that he's done. And it activates joy. Because this is why we need to be connected with the Holy Spirit. Because he gives us what we need daily. Daily he's pouring into us. Daily he's giving us what we need. It's almost unfair that we had to talk about the empowered life in one week. And I could touch on so much. We could do all of those weekly, but we can't. So I'm going to pick a couple and try to do it in 10 minutes. So here we go. So one thing that the Holy Spirit gives, he can give us peace. He gives us peace as I mentioned. As we read throughout the Bible, there are many times the Holy Spirit brings peace. He brings those in the Bible peace. There's this guy named Paul, as we've been talking about lots. He, we'd see in Acts, he's been jailed multiple times. It just became a normal thing. Maybe he had a punch card. I don't know. But there was this one time in Philippians 2, 19 to 30, where he is in jail, and there's the possibility he might die. This might be it for Paul. He's on trial, and they're discussing, hey, do we kill this guy? Like, should we, should we end him? And the church really liked Paul. He was an advocate for the church, pushing the church forward. They liked him so much that they sent a man named Epaphrodites on a trip. And I have a real-life picture of Epaphrodites and his buddy Timothy that came. <laughs> Taking on someone's poor-quality cell phone. But that's, you can put that in the bank. That's Epaphrodites and uh, Timothy. And so they like him so much that they send a man, Epaphrodites, on a trip to send him some gifts to make him feel better. And there's a letter, too, of how the church was doing. As you hear this, you're thinking, yeah, okay, whatever. They sent a letter, Canada Post. Maybe they walked down the street, dropped it off. But the journey from where Epaphrodites was to where Paul was, was a six-weeks to three-month journey by foot, depending on the conditions of the road. And the road was laced with thugs and people who were ready to kill him, whoever was on the road. I drove to work only a block away in Eston, so... This trip is pretty impressive. I couldn't even walk a block to work every day. I had to I, for some reason, I drove confession time. I don't know why I did it. But So in Philippians, Paul is closing his letter to them. He says, thanks for the gifts. So Epaphrodites has arrived. He has given them the gifts. He's given them the letter. Now Paul is writing back to them. Epaphrodites waits. They talk. And he sends Epaphrodites back with a letter from Paul. So if it's six to three weeks to get there, three months to get there, six to three months to return, it could take three months to six months of Epaphrodite's life 
this journey. And it says, starting in verse 10, Indeed, you have concerned, but you have no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, Paul's saying, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether we feel hungry or fed, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. If I was writing this letter back to the people who sent me a gift, I'd probably only talk about the gifts because I'm human. Thanks for the food. I ate it all in one sitting. Now I have a stomach ache. Thank you for the shoes. I'm able to play basketball now in prison. Well, of course, you know, Paul, at that time, they probably had lots of basketball courts. But Paul doesn't even talk about the gifts at all. What Paul basically says is, thanks for the gifts, but I don't really need it to make me feel better. I have had lots and have not have lots, and have not have lots. I've had money and not had money. But through it all, even right now, I'm fine. I have peace and I'm content. If I was Epaphrodites and I had spent three to six months of my life carrying these gifts, I'm not sure how I would feel about that letter being read out. And he's not talking about the appreciation for the gifts. I'm having to see a chiropractor because the gifts were heavy. I almost lost my life. And you can't mention, yeah, thanks for the gifts. I've really enjoyed them. But he talks all about the peace that he has, Paul does. All about the peace he's experienced. The peace of the empowered life of the Holy Spirit. Connected with him. He's filled. Right? Sometimes we're in those places and we feel like battling alone. And we wonder why we feel anxious. Paul is connected with Christ, reading his word, praying to him. He's being filled. The Holy Spirit is giving him exactly what he needs while he's in prison. So we pray, even right now, for the Spirit to fill us, because he's going to give you exactly what you need, whatever you're going through right now. I remember one time my mom was, she was diagnosed with cancer. Words you never want to hear as a 12-year-old. Scare you, cancer, death. But I, I remember praying and Christ filling me with his peace. It was going to be okay. I don't know the outcome. I don't know the circumstance of how everything is going to play out. I don't know what my mom's life is going to look like. But I prayed. His spirit came inside of me, filled me up. I activated the ninja. And he gave me peace. So this is the peace that Paul speaks about in Philippians 4.7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is not based on circumstances like the world's peace, so it doesn't always make sense to the carnal mind. Paul says that it is as peace that surpasses comprehension. Peace with us. So the last one we're going to talk about is power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and or and to the ends of the earth. 
This is Acts 1.8. We all strive for power, right? If you're an older sibling, you want to impose your power on your younger siblings. You sit on them. My brother was quite bigger than me. He was 350 pounds, so he imposes power on me a lot. And so, but even when we're growing up, we want, we want to be known, right? We like to be, have patted on our back sometimes. It's okay to admit that. I'm not going to judge you. We all maybe look for that position of power. We have are these dreams of being a business owner or, you know, growing or whatever we're doing into something big. So many devote their lives to trying to achieve this goal. The type of power, that type of power, though, can never satisfy, right? How many times we've got there? And it just hasn't filled us. We, we are, then we go into the next thing. We're trying. I remember as a kid, I wanted, to, I wanted to own my own business. I wanted to have money. But as I began to work towards that, it just never felt fulfilled. It never felt as I received maybe admonition, it was good enough. In describing the power of the Holy Spirit in this scripture, Acts, the Bible paints quite a different picture. The word translated as power in the English Bible in the Greek is this. This word power actually means dynamis in the Greek. So you will receive the dynamis when the, the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem. Dynamis. What does it sound like? Dynamite? Dynamite. What does dynamite do? It explodes, right? It's powerful. It's huge. It's amazing when dynamite blows something up. We have one pastor we knew. He really liked dynamite. His, we're about to tear something down. Do we need dynamite? Was the first thing he would say. No, we don't need dynamite, Gerald. As he's got it in his hand, he's got the lighter going. Put it away. Let's move your hands apart from each other. So in Acts... Jesus told his disciples that before they would be able to evangelize the world, they must receive the dynamis of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. The explosion of the Holy Spirit sounds not painful. It isn't painful. And so don't worry about it. You're not going to blow up. Um, but you receive this, this big, massive power of Christ within inside of you, the Holy Spirit. In the power that was in Christ, he even says this to us. He's like, you will do greater things than I did. Because now our, his spirit is living with inside of us. And we're like, Christ, you did some crazy things. You did big things. But he said, you can do these things because of the power, the dynamis power that is now with inside of you. And so, the Holy Spirit possesses a dynamite-like power that works within a believer to blast anything out that isn't unlike God. So the power, as we activate with him, is released within us. It does not manipulate or control others, because he's the good father. He's the good shepherd. That's not what he does. Because we're afraid as his spirit comes inside of us, and more of us, takes, it's going to control us in an unhealthy way. But he is a good, good shepherd. He is good to you. He will never, ever do anything to hurt you. So we can trust his spirit inside of us. 
because we know he's a good father. Instead, the Holy Spirit uses his power, empowers us to make us better. And we want to be empowered people, empowered life. Not for our sake, but for the kingdom's sake. It's always pointing back to Christ. His Holy Spirit is in us, but it's for us to experience him, but also to point others to him. So that's why he wants us to be active, to activate the Spirit inside of us, to be filled, to constantly be filled. It's for us. I heard that in the four Gospels, they describe his Spirit as a dove. And a dove is beautiful, it's gentle, it's pure, it's white. But why they do it is this. It's because the poorest of poor could take a dove to the sanctuary as sacrifice. That was the thing that was there for them. Doves were accessible to them. So we can take the dove when they when needed to go to the temple and bring that sacrifice. They had it there. The Spirit of God, this is what it's saying, is for all of us. For everyone. So when we hear it came like a dove, it resembles that it's for all of us. For everyone. It's for you. It's for me. It's for my kids. It's for my kids' kids. It's in us. It's for us. It's going to activate us. And as a good father, he's going to empower us. Because he cares for us. So the more we get out of ourselves, and as I close here, I'll just call the, the worship team up for their last song. They can prepare. The more we get ourselves, get out of our own way and yield our will to his, the more powerful he is able to pour himself out through us to others. And this is what the empowerment's about. It's about us experiencing Christ, about him giving us what we need, that peace, the joy, love. But as we receive that, we pour that back out. And we see this in Scripture. Jesus, right? When he says this, he wants us to be discipled. We want to receive him. But what does he say? He says, go and do unto others what I have done to you. So it's about receiving. We see this so much through Scripture, but it's about giving back. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses of God's love, to live in a way that pleases God, to meet fully the demands and pressures of life, and to resist temptation. The power of the Holy Spirit is the only power that is sufficient to win spiritual battles against our own selfish desires and the tricks of Satan. Because a Spirit-empowered life is a growing life. It's a Spirit-led life. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to live like Jesus. We want to be spirit-led. We want to be empowered people. And His Spirit gives us what we need. It's in there. The promise was that when we accepted Him, it, it resided in us. Now, are we going to fill ourselves up? We're going to continue to read His, Bible, read His Word, to activate our spirit, of the Spirit of Christ inside of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you promised you wouldn't leave us alone. That when you died and rose again, it was actually better for us. 
that now you're in all of us and your gospel can spread throughout the world. You want to empower us to be your hands and feet. And Lord, you want that spirit inside of us now to grow. To grow. And as a good father, as it grows, Lord, you're going to be, <laughs> you're going to shepherd us well. Nothing weird, nothing kooky. You empower us to go out and to share that same spirit that is now rising up within us, that is filling us with others. So, Father, I thank you that your spirit is alive and well. It's here. It's amongst us. It's in us. Lord, even as we worship together this morning, even as this word has come across, Lord, I pray that people feel filled. Lord, they can feel the spirit rising up within them, that they know that, man, this has given me what I need. I was feeling down, but now I have joy. I was confused, but now I have clarity. I had a question about your word, but you've taught me through this. I've been miserable, but now I have joy. And Lord, this is what the Spirit does. He does so much. So Father, as we go throughout this week, let's live and be as empowered people and let your spirit rise within us as we read, as we pray, as we fellowship, or as we worship. In your name we pray. Amen.